Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And now for the first time, it is my privilege to introduce you, the lucky listener, to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. I am Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, my co-host right there. Barton, I am fired up for this. We have a rocking intro. We've got the big voice that announces us. Dog, we are so official right now. Dude, you're coming with the heat right from day one. I love the energy. I'm ready to roll. The brass section in our intro gets me so fired up. Um, let, let's talk some football, man. It's it's about that time. Uh, that's uh, you know, it's just exciting to be at the time of year where we can actually start digging into this stuff, and, and it matters. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have for you in this episode the SEC West win totals. They are the Las Vegas numbers of the number of wins at the end of the season. We are going to go through and we're going to break them down. We're not just going to give you our over under predictions, but also some of the big things that stand out uh, as we are here. Like media media day season just about to unfurl. But before we get into that, we have. In my opinion, uh, one of the foremost experts in the entire country, forget it, the entire world uh, when it comes to the recruiting scene. And it's one of the fun things that we do. Barton and I have done a lot of work. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it. College football rundown, any of the SEC live stuff on CBS Sports Digital. Uh, you, I know that you know this so well. So you just got back from the opening. And the opening is uh, out in Oregon, one of the biggest recruiting weekends and the buzz name is quarterback Justin Fields, and I'm hearing a, a lot of of big uh, a big talk coming out. Which you know, whoever the top prospect is, you know, whether it's a, whether it's Rashawn Gary, you know, whoever is like top quarterback prospect, top defensive line prospect, everyone gets excited. So I'm immediately intrigued. And Barton, the other reason I'm intrigued is because this is a, a five star quarterback who is. According to the 24-7 Sports Crystal Ball projections, just talking to all the big dogs, you know, just feeling it out. So that means we're going to have all those fan bases talking about Justin Fields all through the fall uh, until he finally puts pen to paper on National Signing Day. So, dog, like, okay, the first claim that I need you to, to sort of unpack for the audience, is this the best quarterback that they've seen at the opening? Chip, Look, I know this is show number one, and I don't want to come off as hyperbole guy. You know, that's not me. But but this is the rare instance when uh, this kid is, in my opinion, I just watched the best quarterback performance in a camp setting that I've ever seen since I've been doing this, and that's ten plus years. Um, the the opening is is held in conjunction with the Elite Eleven. And, you know, so I've seen all these Elite 11 guys come through. Um, I saw the, the year where Sam Darnold and, and Josh Rosen and, and that loaded class came through. Um, I saw the year where, where Jameis Winston just came out guns blazing. This is the best showing I've ever seen. I mean, wow. this kid was unreal. He, he was, uh, you know, just in total control the, the whole time. Um, out, here's a good, good sort of 
um, way to articulate just how good he was. So there's 12 quarterbacks out there. They split these guys up into seven on seven teams. And Justin Fields' team won the championship over the course of this pool play, two, basically two days of pool play and tournament play. Uh, Justin had 16 touchdowns and zero interceptions over the course of the weekend. Against the um, best defensive, like against some of the like top talent in secondary. Exactly. Best players in the country and, and, a, and a bunch of offensive guys that he's never played with. Um, and, and they're, they're playing with this offensive system. They, they, you know, this isn't just sort of drawing plays up in sand. Like they actually, you know, have learned this system, have progressions they're supposed to go through, have reads they're supposed to be looking at. So he's, he's got this new system with a bunch of new receivers. He scores on 16 out of 23 offensive possessions. <sighs> so that's about 70%, right? Yeah. And, and just to give you an idea, if you total up the 11 other quarterbacks there, uh, and, and averaged out their their scoring percentage on the drives that they were under center, the average is about 29%. Mm. So just blew the competition out of the water. Um, and, and you know, you kind of alluded to it, the crystal ball's all over the place. Like, this is that rare occasion. I mean, so often now that the big-time quarterbacks, they get committed early and they start recruiting for the team and, and, and they're, they're locked in. <laughs> we, we've got a kid uncommitted, former Penn State commit, decommitted. He's out of the state of Georgia. We've now got potentially, and I won't spoil it because we still got some decisions to make on the rankings, but potentially the number one player in America at the quarterback position, uncommitted with Florida, Florida yeah. State, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, all the big dogs chasing him. So, I mean, if you're one like the, that's in the recruiting drama, man, this kid has got as much drama as we've seen this late in the process at the quarterback position as you're going to find. I mean, this has got all the makings of just being a uh, uh, somebody that I think goes to college and, and wins somebody a national championship. I, I couldn't be more impressed with Justin Fields over the weekend. Yeah, it's like – that's because, I mean, as, as me, the the interested fan, and a lot of times uh, for the – like a lot of my, my – ankles and elbows are so deep in the current depth chart that I do almost get that fan perspective. And so it's like, Ooh, Justin Fields. Ooh, okay. <laughs> you start to check him out. And then all of a sudden you just see a, like you said, I mean, just, just right from the, right from the deepest talent pocket of the country geographically. And then to have all of the big names out there. I mean, this is, this is going to be somebody fans are going crazy for. The question is, uh, two things. First, logistically, is he going to carry this out to February, or is he? Do you know what his schedule is uh, yeah. for making a commitment? And number two, I think you might have just answered it though. Like this is for real a program changing quarterback. Yeah, I mean the the first the answer to the first part of that is is I mean right now it looks like he, the plan was to get a decision uh, squared away by the end of the summer, but. Look, at this point, I think anything's possible because after what he just did out at the opening, like it, every college that's recruiting him that's anywhere remotely close to in the race is going to make his decision to say no to them so, so hard. I mean, he is about to get recruiting turned up to a whole nother level because if you think about some of the schools recruiting him, first of all, you got Georgia who, who can't afford to let this guy out of the state because he's going to just rip them apart wherever he goes, and and they offered a couple of guys before him, so they sort of screwed up if they let him go. <clears throat> then you got Florida, who's just desperate for a quarterback, 
And, and this is a guy that they've absolutely put all their chips forward for. Auburn, same. We've seen what they, they look like without a quarterback. Yeah. they got Jarrett Stidham this year. You know, we'll talk about them a little later, I'm sure. But, you know, if they could get uh, Justin Fields to sort of circle back and, and, and you know, backfill that quarterback position, I think he's a first-year starter. So, it, you know, point being, this guy is, is such a big-time recruit. And, and yes, I, I think he is a game-changing recruit. Uh, you know, if, if you're, I mean, a program-changing recruit, I think he is someone that can start from day one. I, I think there's probably two quarterbacks in this class that I feel confident saying that about. Uh, him being one of them and uh, man it's going to be and then right now no one knows where he's going is the other factor so I mean it really is up in the air it really is um, you know a flip of the coin right now so it's going to be a blast to figure this out and watch it play out what is uh, what are some other names or players that stood out to you Barton by the way does have over on 24 7 sports uh, the dream team like best at every position from what you saw who are some of the players either on that list or elsewhere that really impressed you uh, during your time over there out in Oregon well one guy you know, remember Justin Fields was committed to to Penn State and and just because they got in there early and, and no one else realized how good he was and, and then you know, he's down there in SEC country, so people sort of tempted him away from that commitment. But on his seven-on-seven team, he was throwing to Justin Shorter, who's out of New Jersey, who's committed to Penn State. And I'm telling you what, Penn State fans have got to be crying, uh, you know, into their beers right now because Justin Shorter and Justin Fields looked like an unbelievable combo. I mean, those guys were on point. Justin Shorter is is this huge six-four. Four five forty receiver who's just was was probably the most physical, tough to defend guy out there, um, and and so he I thought he was phenomenal, and the, the wide receiver group was was really really good, and and just as we're sort of on SEC day, <clears throat> you know another guy that impressed me was Jaron Williams, who's a quarterback committed to Kentucky, and, and you know right now. If you just look at recruiting, Kentucky's got the best quarterback in the SEC East committed in this 2018 class, and he's a pretty good one, and Jaron Williams, another guy out of the state of Georgia. So um, that's one. If they hang on to him, and, and if, say, Justin Fields ends up at Florida State, that's a, that's a pretty big win for Kentucky because that, that means they probably get out of this recruiting cycle with the best quarterback in the SEC East. And, and that's, you know, if you've got that kind of a, a talent – that uh, that can that can turn things around for you pretty quickly. I tell you what, Kentucky lines up with Kroger, and everybody's coming for all the Bogo deals. <laughs> no I mean, this is just <laughs> this is just all working out for Big Blue Nation. Uh, very cool stuff. All right, we've got win totals. Uh, the numbers that we are going to use are set by the South Point Sportsbook. Uh, I'm sure that in the next coming month or so, we will see those start to update all the way running up to the start of the college football season. We are going to begin in the SEC West. And we are going to begin with a team that until this moment, I thought, did not bleed. Watson. Touchdown! It was 31-28. Alabama had it locked up. They had survived the injury to Bo Scarborough. Jalen Hurts had darted towards the end zone. And the long marathon of a national championship game was concluded. And for the first time, Nick Saban had lost in a national championship game. Uh, Barton, let's just sort before we get into the number, which by the way is 10 and a half on the over under. I made the claim earlier this summer. I'd like to pitch it at you. 
there in the last five years have been very few where I felt pretty confident about the distance that Alabama has created, not only between itself and the rest of the SEC West, but maybe even the entire SEC. Yeah, I mean, look, Alabama, I I thought this past year was one of the best defenses I've ever seen. Um, I thought the way they've been recruiting has been just other otherworldly i mean they, they've been unreal on the recruiting trail and that's why they're so good and that's why right now you know they've got five stars sitting on the bench just just itching to get on the field and and you know the difference with that clemson thing is they had the they had the quarterback and deshaun watson that was just you could win a game with and you could you know you could just roll out the football on any field and have a great shot and they just ultimately outscored alabama and and that brings me, I think, to, to this year's team. Like the, the thing that I really like about Alabama this year's team is that you know the, the game has changed to where to win a national title, you've got to be able to outscore people. Mm. I mean, these offenses are just so tough to defend. There, you know, there's so many. You know, all the RPO stuff is is makes it gives the offense such an advantage. And and now with all these quarterbacks that are so athletic. Again, it's just if you got a Deshaun Watson, I don't care how good your defense is, you got a chance, and or how good the defense you're playing is, you got a chance. And so, you, yeah, like if if, if you're going to have 90 plays in a game, the superior quarterback is going to have a good shot to lead his team to victory. For sure, yeah, and and I mean that's that's ultimately what happens, and and that's why I look at this Alabama team, and in some ways, I mean it's crazy to say it. But in some ways, this is this is a team that could be even more equipped to win it than last year's team. In some ways, I think this could even be in a better team. And, and, and I mean, Nick Saban keeps on top of himself, but um, I mean, I'll, I'll sort of I'll cut to it with I, I, I'm I'm taking the over at ten and a half with Alabama, and for me, and knowing these guys from a recruiting standpoint and seeing what's coming on the roster. I mean, I think this is the best offensive, the most talented group of offensive personnel Nick Saban's ever had. Wow. All right. So, uh, I mean, I mean, you tell me. You look at the backfield, look at the quarterback position, look at the wide receivers. Like, am I wrong? Like, like that? I'm blown away by the guys that are about to trot out there. The SEC Offensive Player of the Year is back at quarterback after having another year to mature as a football player and human being i said like like i don't know about you but the time between my freshman and my sophomore year was great learning experiences both in the classroom when i was there and outside i mean there's just there is human growth uh that takes place during these years and he was jalen hurts was one of the best offensive threats last year you mentioned the backfield bo scarborough fully unleashed back but like the whole backfield is good Calvin yeah. Ridley is still there, and this guy who I I really want to get your opinion on here, like like Jerry Judy's legit. Like that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't a spring game uh, sideshow, right? Like we are going to see him absolutely torch some teams this year. Yeah, I mean he's he's the same. I said this when when he was coming out. I said he's the next uh, Calvin Ridley and Amari Cooper in the sense of this like just super smooth polished competitive receiver out of South Florida and and he'd come in ready to roll and, and he looked great in the spring game 
But Chip, what's crazy is I don't think he's the best freshman wide receiver they've got coming in. I no think they've way. got two guys better than him coming in. <laughs> and, and and now those guys may not play as much day one because they weren't early enrollees. Um, and and Jerry Judy's a little more polished than them. But but Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith were guys I think that are better. So I mean that's just you know you got those guys, you got all that backfield with with all those starters returning. Plus Najee Harris, who was, and some people thought, the number one recruit in the country, who was really good in the spring game, too. Their offensive line is, you know, again, they got Jonah Williams, who may have been their best offensive lineman last year as a freshman. It's just scary. And, and then you got an offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, who actually sort of brings a system in that fits that personnel. It's, it's not, I mean, you, you know, Nick Saban got all huff, you know, huffy and puffy about you know, the ball control comparison to the NFL when, when some reporter asked him about it. But that it's true. I mean, this guy brings in, you know, wide open passing offense and, you know, and they, he's got the pieces to put that together. So, look, you know, 12 games, regu- 12 regular season games, at least one postseason game if you're, if you're on the, if the low side. Um, I mean, just who are they going to lose to? Look, I mean, they find two losses maybe, but who are they going to lose to? There's all right. There's there is no way, in my opinion, Alabama loses two regular season games, and Agreed. the only way that this could go south, which brings us to our next team, because I'm also going over. The only way this goes south is if that one loss comes in Jordan Hare Stadium at the end of right. the season. But right. that that means it's been a hell of a season for Auburn. And, right. I mean, Auburn's got to play Clemson in week two. Don't sleep on Georgia Southern in week one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Auburn over under set at nine. I, I'm looking at this team and there are reasons to get as an Auburn. Like I understand the excitement if you're an Auburn fan, because the last time that you had a transfer quarterback come in and you had the Georgia and Alabama games at home at the end of the season, a lot of wild stuff happened, and you made it to the national championship game and almost went and won that thing. So I get, especially given what we have seen, maybe probably uh, a little bit of game action, but for Jarrett Stidham, and you probably remember from uh, the recruiting process, like the the Jarrett Stidham excitement, the idea that he can be the dual threat quarterback that can make this thing go because you still got Cameron Petway, you still got Carryon Johnson, you still got a lot of pieces from a very solid offensive line. Like when you're doing the recipe for a, an explosive and good Gus Malzahn offense, all you really need is the trigger man at this point. But like Stidham is, in your opinion, uh, is, is he a great talent? Or is he going to be someone who is a good fit? Like more more better talent or good fit? Bro, I ranked Jared Stidham coming out of high school as the the number one quarterback in that class. That's wow. the that's the Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold class wow. that was like loaded with talent. Wow. And I, I thought he was the best coming out. And he had a pretty good showing as a true freshman thrown into the fire at Baylor after Seth Russell got hurt. So I mean <clears throat> he is I think he's special. And now here's 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 my fear on Auburn. <clears throat> my fear is I got bamboozled by Jeremy Johnson. 
Like <laughs> I was one of the guys that got sucked <laughs> into that. I thought he was pretty good coming out of high school. I thought that they had a chance to be pretty good that year. I thought Jeremy Johnson was, you know, he was good in, in relief the year before. So like guilty, like I'll take my medicine. Like I'm, I'm one of those guys. So like the, the only thing I'm worried about here <clears throat> is, is this just another, you know, get your hopes up about Auburn and then be disappointed. But I, I believe in them on paper. I mean, they've got a great offensive line. All those running backs are back. The receivers should be improved with a quarterback that can get it to them. And, and while they lose some guys on defense, man, Marlon Davidson it was about as good as you – know, he was just one step below, a small step below the Ed Olivers and you know Rashawn Gary's and Dexter Lawrence's of that class last year. Um, I mean, he's the truth. And, and so I think this defense is good. I, I mean, I, I feel pretty good about the over here. I just I, I I like Auburn and I, I love Jarrett Stidham so um, you know I, I'm a, I'm I'm a little scared I'm gonna look like one of these like you know gambling rookies that just bets the over every game but I, I kind of think the SEC's got a chance to be pretty good and, and and Auburn is a big reason why man shooters got to shoot Barton and we've got to <laughs> like this our job is to have takes. You know, they don't need to be flaming hot takes, but we got to have takes. You know, people are people are subscribing to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast for opinion. Do not do not feel too bad, but I, I appreciate uh, the way that you are willing to uh, admit defeat. And as and as you know, I'm, I'm more than willing to uh, to show the egg on my face. Uh, and we will see that week in and week out as we make our against the spread picks and locks and all that good fun for the season where I'm sure that. I'm sure we'll have perfect records, right? Like we'll just be nothing but nothing but lock, nothing but master lock against the spread picks here on the 24/7 Sports College Football. We're podcast. just we're just tasked with making the people money. So <laughs> you know, as long as they're in the plus, as long as they're in the black, I'll feel I'll feel good about it. What do we know about Chip Lindsey, the new offensive coordinator at Auburn? Because I I got frustrated. Uh, that a lot of lip service and time and print was spent. And again, <laughs> this does not mean that it is not an important storyline, but it's just what sometimes I think that fans, fan bases uh, get really fixated on things that are just wildly out of their control. And who's calling the plays and the play calling order on game day very important. I get it, but I felt like we spent too much time between Gus Malzahn and Rhett Lashley talking about who was calling the plays. And then after Chip Lindsey is hired away from Arizona State, he was a former Auburn staffer uh, for Gus Malzahn, I think in 2013. Like, I now we're like uh, Gus is like, oh, but Chip's got full, full. He gets to call all the plays. <laughs> like, what's what is uh, your read on the the situation in the offensive office uh, over there at Auburn? You know, I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, I you know, I'm hearing what you're hearing. I'm, I'm hearing what they're saying. Um, I, I think, look, I, I think, th and the other thing was there was all this sort of talk that they wanted Gus Malzahn to hire somebody outside the Gus Malzahn tree to like give him some fresh eyes. And then, then all of a sudden it's Chip Lindsay. And so, um, you know, I don't know what to make about anything that comes out of, of Auburn, but I, I do think that Chip Lindsay is, is a really good coach. Um, you know, I talked to uh, the father of Brady White, who was a quarterback over there at, at uh, Arizona State. One of their, one of the several that played and has dealt with some injuries, but but he he played for Chip, and you know 
Brady's dad was telling me that like of of the coaches that that he's worked with, Chip is very quarterback focused. Like he's a guy that that like he okay, what are you seeing? Like he's he's you know, he is in the quarterback's head. He's constantly communicating with them and and he really liked him. Like Brady really liked him and, and was really impressed by him. And so I think this is a guy that's going to come in and and I think command some respect in that quarterback room. I think I mean he's a confident coach. He's got Great personality. Uh, I think he's going to be successful there, especially because he's got the quarterback that I believe in. Um, and so I, I really think, you know, whether he's – I don't know that he's the missing piece more so than Jarrett Stidham's the missing piece, but I think them coming together is is uh, a nice culmination here for Gus Malzahn to, to, to really get things rolling. Um, I, I believe in the squad. I think they got a chance to be really good. One of the names that I've been using uh, when I get peppered in interviews and questions from fans, uh, they're always, you know, come June or July. Like, give me, give me a name that I don't necessarily know that I'm going to be hearing a lot. And almost always one of the first ones for me is LSU running back Darius Geis. Uh, Barton, I, I, our LSU's over under on the regular season wins is set at nine. Um, I don't think the schedule sets up particularly well for 10, you know, particularly when we're already taking the overs for Alabama and Auburn. Um, nine might be a pretty good number, but I, in particular, I, I think Darius Geis is going to be one of the SEC's superstars this fall. Yeah, I I agree. And I, I'm, I'm with you on the number two, like nine feels right. Nine feels like what it's going to be. Um, so I'm at this sort of push to over, um, edge right now with LSU. Um, and, and it's, you know, guys is what's going to stir the drink there. I mean, guys is, I, I really think, I, I think that this year's college football running back class is better than the NFL draft running back class. You know, the, basically Darius guys, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb. Like I think those guys are better than the big three from from this past year, and and guys, I think could be the best of the bunch. I mean, he's a total freak. He is he again. I think. I mean, I think he's a better college back than I, even Leonard Fournette. See, I mean, I, I, yes, I I think that we the 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 production of Leonard Fournette in his time at LSU never lived up to the legend. You know, right? Like we had Booga, <laughs> we had Booga Nation, we had everything about his recruitment. We had so much excitement. There were bursts. You know, we got the sickest highlight reel ever of him just burying Texas A and M defenders into the ground, and it was like in spurts everything that we had hoped for. But I think over the course of his career with the Tigers, I just don't think that Leonard Fournette, the player, lived up to the legend of Leonard Fournette. And you got to think that the way he played or did not play against Alabama certainly played a role in that. And I don't know if Darius Geis is going to have a leg up there, but I think particularly paired with Matt Canada after seeing what he did with a stable full of backs and some good offensive linemen at Pitt a year ago, I think the production is going to lap Leonard Fournette. Well, it's so funny. Like people, you almost feel a little bit sheepish saying it or like embarrassed to, to, to make the statement like, Oh, he's I think he's better than Leonard Fournette because there's just such this folklore around Leonard Fournette that you feel like it's heresy right. to somehow make that, that statement. But guys is, he's a, you know, he's a more versatile guy. 
He's he's a better pass catcher. Uh, he, I mean, he's got ha- almost as many records as Leonard Fournette does in LSU history. The running back position by playing what starting six games, seven games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so I'm okay going ahead and saying that a and b. I agree that Matt Canada is a great fit for him, but also, you know, Matt Canada. If you look at what he did, like at Pitt. Um, yeah, I mean, he likes to spread the ball around. He's not just gonna, you know, we saw with with Cam Cameron and and Les Miles, Leonard Fournette just they they just fed him, just you know, off tackle right, off tackle left, just just feed the beast. And I think they're gonna be a little bit more judicious about the way they give the ball to guys. They're gonna try to get a lot more guys touches. You know, Matt Canada loves the jet sweep game. He's gonna get receivers carries. So. I think I think Geis is going to get the ball in more creative ways. So, to me, the 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 this season hinges on, you know, how good is Matt Canada, and I think he's really good. Like I think he's one of the best in the country, and and how much can he help the growth of Danny Etling? Because ultimately, I still yeah. think that you know this is a big time defense, and I think Dave Aranda is 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 one of the best there is. But I don't know that Ed Orgeron's going to like win them games as a coach and it's all about ultimately can Dan Etling be more than just serviceable like can he can he improve to above average in the SEC I think I think that's sort of the difference in this you know this this team ah do you think he can I'm listen I would gladly be proven wrong this is episode one we gotta start getting takes but Danny Etling is a reason why I am not thinking that LSU wins 10 games I mean, so and and when you look at Danny Etling's at times last season, I mean, it, it was such an improvement from what they'd had at quarterback. Like it really was better. But then you you lined up Al, uh, LSU against Alabama, and they may have won that game if they could have gotten anything out of the quarterback position. That was the game that Danny Etling looked wide eyed and scared. And you can't have a quarterback wide eyed and scared against Alabama. And so that is. You know he he's got to to wipe that out and 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 be a somebody that sort of isn't just trying to hand the ball to his running back and survive. He's got to try to be a guy that that thinks he can win a big game like that. And I don't know if that's in him, but I think that Matt Canada could potentially sort of insert some confidence, instill some confidence in him just based on the you know the way that offense ticks. Because everything out of LSU, I know that it was ugly in the spring game. But everything LSU is saying that that they were rolling in the spring before the spring game. Offense was beating the defense, so you know there may be something there. We'll just have to kind of wait and see. But I, I do like the pieces that they've got, and and you know it's just all eyes once again at the quarterback. LSU started last season with Les Miles as the head coach. Uh, obviously, Ed Odron takes over as the interim, ends up getting the job full time. Um, Texas A and M. Is Kevin Sumlin still the head coach on January 1? Well, A&M is – I'm finally ready to kind of go with a an under. Yeah. I mean, when I look at what, – what, what's our number at here? Seven, Seven and, and a half. half. Yeah. Seven and a half is what? tough. He can't He can't have another eight-win season. You know, that's like – that's the thing is when you, when you look at the time – uh, at Texas A&M, when you look at the investment that has been made by Texas A&M since that incredible start with Johnny Manziel, and then you see that since Manziel left, it 
just has been the inability to get to nine wins. Just sort of floundering around in the like they can't even go to the deep end. Like, sure, they're not in the baby pool, but you know, they're not they're not able to touch in the deep waters right now in the SEC West. They they aren't and and I mean this year this is gonna be the year where you know, for so long, Kevin Sumlin's been trying to find a defense to match up with his offense. And, you know, he hired John Chavis and defense improved. And and now we're at the point where I think the defense has got to carry them. I mean, I, I don't have a ton of confidence. I, I have very little confidence, frankly, in the quarterback play. I mean, I saw Kellen Mond, the true freshman coming in, He's not going to be ready. I'm just telling you, he's not going to be ready. Nick Starkle, the redshirt freshman. I mean, that's going to be your guy more than likely. Ugh. And I, I just don't see it. I don't see it in him being. He's he, he could develop into a good quarterback, but year one as a starter, I, I don't see them getting out of the rugged SEC West. Now, tra- and he doesn't even have quite the the array of of weapons. Yeah, uh, around him. It's just it's hard for me to see. Uh, A&M gets to to eight it's, I just uh, yeah, it's, it's just hard for me to see it and if they don't do it that that so to answer your initial question no. I mean I I think I think Kevin Sumlin's the guy to keep an eye on for for failing to return Travion Williams is a good back I don't know if he is a carry the offense back right I'm with you he's yeah. like a chain he's like a guy that's a great option great yeah 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 yeah. great at that great at being change of pace counter punch great extra weapon but man they lost so many targets oh man that's uh yeah i christian kirk is gonna have to win the heisman (laughs) like he's gonna have to be he's gonna have to score on punt returns kickoff returns jet sweeps bubble screens and fade routes like he's gonna have to get it all over the field and and I mean you know they lose 19 sacks along the way I mean this is another like the defense just comes back with with no questions I mean there I think the defense is going to be probably even improved from last year but it's not I just don't see this defense being Alabama or even LSU so there's I just you know I've got my doubts when I looked at those those totals for the SEC West that's the one that jumped out and I said okay you know, that's something's got to give here in the SEC West. All right. Arkansas, uh, just really uh, the, the biggest story for Arkansas is sort of the, the burning topic that is uh, really on the mind when you consider this team going into next season. Uh, Raleigh Williams III was one of the best running backs in the SEC. Uh, another neck injury, the second of his career with the Razorbacks, knocks him out. He is forced to retire. Uh, he is, uh, by all accounts, very good dude and will remain in football. Some NFL teams have reached out to him uh, so that he can remain around the sport in other ways. Uh, but we've got like a, a a very interesting season. Like we're Texas A&M. Uh, I'm looking at Kevin Sumlin and I'm not seeing the pieces that give me a lot of encouragement. Uh, Brett Bielema, uh, correct me if you think differently, but maybe not carrying the same amount of pressure, but certainly... Um, some skepticism, just sort of the, listen, all these coaches that we're about to get to now are making over $4 million a season, and none of these coaches 
uh, it, with the exception of Gus Malzahn, have been able to displace Alabama from their spot at the top of the division. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I really, really like Devois Whaley, the rising sophomore, going to yeah. be a sophomore coming out of Texas. He played uh, a little bit last year. Austin Allen, like, he's pretty – he's all right. He's, he, can, he can be pretty good. Arkansas's over-under is set at six. Um, I – where are you at with the Razorbacks? Uh, sort of, first of all, just in general, under Brett Bielema, like what, when you're thinking about them, when you're out on the recruiting trail, like what is their identity right now? <laughs> that, hey, that's the question, Chip. Like, Nobody that, knows. <laughs> that, that's what I was going to, I mean, so what is their identity? I mean, so Brett Bielema came into to Arkansas and they were just, you know, pound them into a pulp, physical, like they were going to be, the team that could could withstand Alabama and 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 dish it out themselves, and it looked like they had a chance to grow into that. But I mean, I've got some numbers here. I mean, so Brett Bielema's first year, they allowed eight sacks all year. They they passed it forty nine percent of the times. So they ran more than they passed. Next two years, 14 sacks, 14 sacks, 55% passing, 65% passing. And then last year, 35 sacks, and they threw it 60% of the time. So, again, who are they? Like, are they this team that's going to just pound you to death, or are they this team that's going to throw it around and have their quarterback running for his life? I, I, I've lost who they are. Now, now it, it's you know losing a running back this year, again, hurts, but Devon Whaley's pretty good. They get just about their whole offensive line back. So maybe that they can improve and start getting back to their roots. I do like Austin Allen. I, I think he's one of the, you know, I, I think a top-tier quarterback, maybe a tier-two quarterback nationally. Uh, I think he's really good if he can just get some protection. Um, but, you know, he loses six of his top seven wide receivers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just think this is another one of those teams where they're probably pretty good. But they're in the SEC West, and as you mentioned, like there's 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 only so many wins to go around, and uh, and and especially for a bunch of four million dollar coaches, um, nobody wants to be that that team pulling up the rear. I mean, the this, the number feels about right. Six feels about right. Like I I, I think I, this feels like a seven and six season to me. Um, so it's not like I think Arkansas is going to be bad, but again, I, I don't. I don't know that this is a team that that all of a sudden flips the switch and starts really contending in the SEC West. And um, you know, it felt like Arkansas had a chance to get to that point at the the very early stages of the Brett Bielema tenure. And I feel like now it it just I don't I don't know about you, but it just sort of feels a little bit plateaued at this point. Yeah, I I think this particular Arkansas team is not going to be the one uh, that causes a lot of consternation among Arkansas fans when it comes to Brett Bielema that day might be in the near future because it's not like I'm seeing some signs of a trajectory to the top of the division but I also think this team is dangerous enough to like beat Auburn which can like buy him a year or something like that like you know they could lose to Missouri and beat Auburn you know this which is that's sort of what Arkansas has been too like that's maybe their identity is just the team that I mean can can play Alabama into the late into the fourth quarter and, and give them a scare when they're, you know, looking past to LSU or something. And, uh, I agree. I mean, I think, and, and I do think this is kind of that year where Brett Bielema is, I, I don't think is on the hot seat at all, but uh, yeah, but this might be the year that sort of 
warms things up for for 2018 yeah the the belt bowl felt like a great encapsulation of arkansas football they can uh pound you into the ground 24 nothing in the first half and get goose egged 35 nothing in the second to lose the game (laughs) right right (laughs) what all right ole miss self-imposed bowl ban NCAA investigations five and a half is the number here so we already know they're not going to be in the postseason you've still got Shea Patterson you know one of the uh one of the top quarterback talents in the conference but man Barton it is tough 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 for me to think that when it comes to late October and November that the motivation factor, especially after seeing the way that they, the bottom started to fall out for Ole Miss a little bit in 2016, it is very hard for me to feel very confident about the Rebels. And I, I don't know if um, I don't I don't know if that's me just putting too much you know other stuff like me not looking at the player personnel uh closely enough where they have been recruiting pretty well obviously uh and this is me not considering (laughs) maybe uh, part of the problem (laughs) this is me not considering um you know Hugh Freeze as an offensive coach particularly given Shea Patterson but it I mean I feel like Ole Miss is going to put up some big numbers and lose games I can see that I could definitely see that this is this is a tough so I also think with with Ole Miss I think there's still a factor left to be determined in that if if the Ole Miss or if the, if the NCAA just drops the the guillotine on them and just hammers them, I, I could see you know what is is Hugh Freeze in trouble? Is is suddenly or is their leader kind of in doubt? Like is um, is the just disappointment around the program? going to you know increase and and sort of encapsulate this team or is or is the penalties like I could see the flip side too where the penalty they got penalties they can't play in the postseason but you know what they're going to circle the wagons and and they're going to be uh and and they're going to find a way and just and just live for each other and I know Hugh Freeze is going to is going to preach that message but you know I just wonder if things come down harder than people expect whether that will be a harder sell on these guys um that that's sort of the the intangible stuff that you got to think about but uh, to me on the field this is a really intriguing team and a team i kind of like i mean they have the best pass game personnel some of the best pass game personnel in the country their wide receivers are stupid good like they're ridiculous Shea Patterson is could be one of the real like national names in college football this year if, if he can just sort of you know cut out the mistakes late in the year that he showed and 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 uh, zero in on the the successes he had which were, were significant given the circumstances he was thrown into. They got to find a run game that was a big problem last year, but I do think like if you look at their offensive line, three of their starters were five star offensive lineman coming out of high school ranked by 24 seven sports. Now we were, probably, been. We, we were probably wrong on two of them, honestly. Yeah. But, but still that, that just gives you an idea of the talent that's there of, of what they can be. I think the potential is there on the offensive line. So I think they've got guys there. Their defensive line is still really good. Marquise Haynes is still one of the best pass rushers in the country. Uh, 
So there, there's just a lot about this Ole Miss team that's really intriguing. I can see them you know, losing some shootouts. I can also see them being one of the rare teams that could beat Alabama. Uh, you know, and so it's, I'm in this weird place with Ole Miss to where I could see this, the bottom fall out and them giving up on the season, but I could also see them rallying the troops and, and getting seven or eight wins. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm sort of reluctantly picking the over, but I understand how dangerous it is. And, and, and I think that this could go dramatically either way. Mississippi State, their Egg Bowl rivals, South Point, not loving uh, this Bulldogs team, setting the over-under at five. I am uh, 100% in to the point of making like fallacy choices on Nick Fitzgerald. Like I just, I love this kid, man. I just think he's so perfect for what Dan Mullen has constructed. Uh, you know, we mentioned RPO, the run pass option game. I mean, Fitzgerald's just, as long as his body can hold up, like they can put basketball scores on the scoreboard on teams. And I, I like this Mississippi state team way more than I should. Look here. I, we've been in the office just to get ready for football season. And we've just been doing some like pick this, pick the schedule. Basically. I just for a, a team every day, just pick their schedule, pick their record at the end of the year. Five wins is what Vegas is saying. I, I picked nine and three. Like, I, I love Mississippi State. Like, yes. I really, really think they can be good. I mean, you said everything. I mean, I don't need to say any more about Nick Fitzgerald. You hit that. I agree he's got to stay healthy because behind him, all they've got is a true freshman quarterback that's talented but not ready for the SEC yet. Uh, but I think their wide receivers, Donald Gray, Memphis native, Big-time athletes. I think he's got the explosiveness that they need. You know, They've got a potential first-round draft pick at left tackle. Their defense is, I think, stacked. I mean, Leo Lewis, as a redshirt freshman, was flashed every time he turned on Mississippi State last year. Jeffrey Simmons, as a true freshman, was, was flashing consistently, too. They've got so much length in the linebacking core. They're so athletic on the back end. They've got the, Mississippi State has this way of getting these JUCO guys or these sort of no-name Mississippi kids, and, and they do such a good job developing them. So I think that there's, there's not a lot of household names on this team, but there's a bunch of guys that are ready to take that next step. I, I just think Mississippi State, you talk about games Alabama can lose, and Ole Miss I think it may be a reach. I could see Mississippi State beating Alabama – a home game, like that's the type of team Alabama could lose to because they have an athletic quarterback that can sort of uh, even the playing field. They've got a physical defense. It'll be a home game. That That's one Alabama I think has to keep an eye on. I, I just, I don't know, man. Like, am I crazy? Like, where do you have them? I, 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 feel, I feel like they, they could be really good. I don't have them. I don't have them higher than seven. I've got, I've got Mississippi State definite bowl team like so much confidence in the bowl team and probably could be able to get to seven but like so we're gonna do uh for our next episode we'll be doing the sec east like mississippi state kentucky like you ready for the five-hour game this but this puppy's gonna be wide open and i don't know who wins that yeah and and but you know part of the reason i like mississippi state is this is it just feels like it it it's a Dan Mullen team. Mm. It fits them. They're gritty. I like they're it. they got their athletic quarterback. They're 
you know, there, there's there's just something about this squad that feels like it fits the one the, the teams that have been successful with Dan Mullen. And you know, there's some. So I guess that's just sort of my hey, someone's gonna surprise some people. And I would have been. I feel like the the, the Vegas number should have been more like seven and a half mm. than than five. And I, I just you know maybe I'm off, but I can't. I just can't see them missing a bowl. Awesome. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. Um, man, episode one in the bag. We're going to be coming at you next with the SEC East win totals. Barton, thank you so much. See you, brother. <laughs>